This episode of Half Measures is brought to you by Mission Log, a Roddenberry Star Trek podcast. Hi, I'm John Champion, co-host of Mission Log. While Daniel and Paul are doing a bang-up job covering the wide world of pop culture, we're talking Star Trek, one episode at a time, over at Mission Log, looking for morals, meanings, and messages. In fact, there are a whole lot of other shows at podcast.roddenberry.com for you to choose from science, feminism, even daily news, and all stops in between. Boldly go and find us. When you're done here, of course. Again, that address is podcast.roddenberry.com, and we will be delighted to have you trek us out. John Krenis, wait, John John, Dan, are you, are you still trying to get it from last week? I have been practicing this. I'm really messing this up, Jim. I, I'm a big fan, but am I really a big fan? I, I, I cannot get your last name down. Krasinski. John Krasinski. Anyway. Is this, anyway. The, is this the actual episode? Are we hitting record again? This is it, isn't it? This is it. This is it. Welcome okay. to episode uh, 27 of the Half Measures podcast. Um, once again, I am joined by my friend, the sonic screwdriver wielding, TARDIS twirling, English tea sipping, movie toting, TV watching, book keeping, son of a gun, Paul Canau. Incredible, Dan. I, I, I come in with nothing again, honestly. I swear to you, next time I'll be more prepared to come out with some things about you, the D-Dub general. I, I've really got to get it down. Like I I'm, I'm really want to get it down into – I'm quite liking the end. I'm quite liking the movie, Toad and TV, watching book, peeping, son of a gun. Like I'm quite, I'm, I'm vibing that, but um, the first bit's still a bit of a, a work in progress for me. I have nothing but respect for your design process and how you're iterating on the fly and testing it and prototyping. I, I really get that. I I just uh, yeah the ability to do it on air that's that's next level so I take my hat off to you. Yeah, I can't quite get John Krasinski. Yeah. Kras. Anyway, anyway, as I say, welcome back to um, episode twenty-seven. We've got a bit of a a different episode in line for today. But before we we get into that, um, today's episode is brought to you by our two um, Patreon producers, uh, Samara King and Trisha Brady. If you two would like to be a um, Patreon producer, then you can do that on our patreon.com slash half measures podcast. All of those details are in the, the show notes. We would love your support. Where else can people get hold of us, Paul? They can also get us at uh, Half Measures Pod on Facebook, on Twitter, and Instagram. So get in touch with us there. Those links to the social media are in the Discord community. Uh, sorry, in the uh, the episode description alongside the Discord community channel link, which you can just click. And as soon as you click that link, you'll be invited to join our community. And so we also have a website, halfmeasurespodcast.com, that you can use to get in touch with us around anything, TV, movie you'd like us to review or something you want to recommend to us please do so. We always love the recommendations and we quite often act on them as well. 
Yeah, so we've got something a little bit um, a little bit different, a little bit special in store for you guys today. Um, we're actually going to be interviewing some friends of the show from another podcast. But Paul, I'll get you to, to talk a little bit about how we know these guys and, and what they're all about. Yeah, so the, the backstory to this is, as you listeners will know, uh, we're you know supported by Mission Log Podcast, Roddenberry Podcast Network, uh, and I frequent the patreon hangouts with uh, the mission log hosts john and norman and uh across one of those uh patreon hangouts i met trisha brady and trisha uh started talking about a podcast that she does uh with her co-host uh patty fox and the the podcast is called time traveling tink uh which is a, a weekly doctor who podcast and these two friends review every episode of doctor who right from the very beginning of Doctor Who, so the 1963 start. Each week they go back and they look at the Doctor, they look at the companions, the villains and the story, and they, they do a really great summary. I'm a big fan of the podcast. I've listened to every episode they've done so far. And uh, I think what can happened... You hear... can, you, can you hear that sound in the, in the background? What is that? Yeah, I can. It's kind of a... It's odd. We're really pleased to have Trisha and Paddy with us today from Time Travelling Temp, all the way from Ireland. Paddy, Trisha, how are you going? Not too bad now, guys. Thanks for having us. Oh, we're doing good. Thank you very much. It's a pleasure to have you here. Um, sounds like you're just in the room next door. Incredible, incredible. <laughs> the wonders of the internet. Yes. <laughs> so um, I guess the first question that makes sense to ask is, you know, for both of you, what got you interested in Doctor Who in the first place? How did you get hooked into this legendary TV show? Uh, so do you want to go first, Trish, or I go first? You can go first. All right. Um, so I was watching like a top 50 sci-fi TV shows of all time. Like this is back when I was a small one. And uh, there was a scene of like Doctor Who, I think it was Fourth Doctor talking to Davros. And there was some weird sound effect and I thought it was laughter. So I asked my brother like was it a comedy he goes no he goes you should never watch it it's terrible i was like grand so then i saw a book i was like uh, I, I mentioned it on the reign of terror episode it was like greatest uh heroes and villains in sci-fi and one of them was about the doctor and all the various incarnations i was like oh this is you know pretty cool like i, I feel like i want to watch more of this guy and then we had we had uk tv gold over in ireland which would show stuff like uh, are you being served and open all hours and old British uh, television shows. And they had an episode of Dr. Who was actually the last episode of the hand of fear story, which is the final episode of Sarah Jane Smith's tenure. And Trish is now upset, um, <laughs> but I, I, I watched it and I was like, there are so many questions here. I want to know more. So I ended up actually kind of getting a load of like uh, target uh, novelizations of old stories and then the revival came. So I started watching from the revival. And then when I got to college, I was able to access uh, more of the older stuff then. And so that's how I fully got into Doctor Who. Awesome. And are you uh, an older Doctor Who fan or do you like the newer stuff more? Or? I lean more towards classic Who. I like, I, I like, I like both, but I'm definitely in the, the classic camp when it comes to preferred. Are these the just so we get the titles right throughout this? Is it classic Who and then modern Who, or is there? It's kind of I think it's classic and new Who is what most people okay. term it. Oh, yeah. new new yeah. Who, I love yeah. it. <laughs> Makes sense. <laughs> it's about N U for some reason. Yeah, oh. new wave. 
And what about you, Trisha? What what got you in? So mine is a bit different. Um, there's a, <laughs> there's a running trend with me when it comes to like really cool things like Star Wars and Star Trek or whatever, which is that I get into things arse backwards. Um, so my introduction to Doctor Who was actually through a British reality talent competition called How Do You Solve a Problem Like Maria, which was to find a new Maria Von Trapp for a production of The Sound of Music for Andrew Lloyd Webber. Which sounds like a really weird way to get into Doctor Who. But one of the judges was John Barrowman. So I was watching this program and there was this guy. I was like, he's really cool. And so then I flipped over the channels and I think it was actually Journey's End uh, and Fallen Earth. So the end of the new season four or series four, rather, of New Who, where he was in it. I was like, oh, my God, this is actually really cool. And so I wanted to go back to the start. So I'm back to the beginning of 2005, worked my way through that. And then I got to school reunion in series two and we saw Sarah Jane again. So I'd seen her in Early's End and uh, Stolen Earth. And then suddenly here she was again in school reunion. And I was like, I really like her. <laughs> so that took me back to Classic Who and I watched like all of her stuff. And then over time, this was like when I was in college, then over time I started watching bits and pieces of the other stuff but yeah my introduction is through a reality tv program to cast the new maria von trapp in andrew lloyd Webber's the sound of music that's amazing what what a great answer it's 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 so interesting how you get into things right i i remember getting into doctor who simply through um my parents watching it and then of course i was the quintessential classic kid hiding behind the couch because it was so scary. And actually what I found the scariest, I think more than anything was actually the music. What is it with the music that makes it have that effect on people? I don't I know. I think it's just like, it's more like ethereal. It's kind of it's just very out there. Seems yeah. Like- yeah. I think on TV, you don't get a lot of that sort of, I, I don't know how to the sort of wavy music to that sort of Doctor Who style music. You don't hear it a lot. So if you have, I sort of treat it as like the X-Files effect. Most episodes of the X-Files aren't innately scary. Mm. But if you have one or two episodes that freaked you out as a kid, whenever you hear that music, your brain makes the connection. You know, and I know a lot of people describe like when they were little, they'd be going up the stairs to bed and like their parents or a sibling would be watching the X-Files and you'd hear like the theme tune kind of following you up the stairs. I think in a lot of ways, you know, music, particularly unique music, you connect it with one memory. If your one memory is being terrified out of your pants behind the sofa, Mm. that theme music becomes connected with that memory. And every time you hear it, it's that childhood feeling amplified all over again. Right, right, right. And I I think as well for maybe like from the third doctor onwards, like with the cliffhangers, because the the cliffhangers were a lot more intense. There was a lot more... Um, kind of life or death scenarios. So when you hear that come in, it just really puts the hairs on the back of your neck standing up. Definitely. I think for me, the the first Doctor I really remember is probably the the Tom Baker um, vision of Doctor Who, and I have these quite vivid memories of normally watching Doctor Who before I'd go off to uh, do like the boat, like scouts or cubs or whatever they used, to, they used to call it. And I I remember the I'm going to really butcher this for you guys. The uh, who the Dalek, but like you can see his body, and he's kind of like a shriveled up uh, round potato and Davros. Davros. 
Devros, right, right. King Prawn. Right, right. So he he was terrifying as a kid. I I've, I can still think about it this day. I remember seeing him on on screen for the first time and and just being real hide behind the couch material. So, like D- Davros is definitely one of the scariest villains uh, in Doctor Who because of his the fact that he's just I won't say that he's insane, even though they do call him insane. But it's just that complete. Well, yeah, it's that just one focused vision, and he's just so determined to get it done. That it's like okay, like a guy on a mission is a very dangerous thing. <laughs> I, I remember in one of the episodes, Paddy, you described Davros, or, or at least the the chair he was in, as some I forget how you word it now, like a really aggressive marketing campaign for wheelchair or something. Yeah, like. yeah, exactly. It was like you're like, are you tired of being pushed around? Well, push yourself around in this. <laughs> <laughs> that was uh, fantastic. Just looking at a, a screenshot of him now, he's actually got some um, Emperor Palpatine type of vibes to him. Mm. Now that I look at him. Yeah, yeah. Some of his makeup, like his original makeup um, from Genesis of the Daleks, I think was amazing. Some of the later stories, his makeup goes a little bit. It, it's a little bit hard to accept. Do you know, it sort of breaks reality a small bit, um, and looks. You know, people think that Doctor Who was all cardboard sets and stuff like that. Some of his later makeup, it looks that way. But when they brought him back in Stolen Earth and Journey's End. Um, the guy who played him, and I've completely forgotten his name now. Um, he put so much into it being like the Genesis version, mm. um, acting wise and everything. He really wanted to be like him, but like the makeup became really good then again at the end. But I think is it, I, is it like Julian Childs? Is that his name? Is Julian that? is Julian something. Yeah. Julian Bleach. Bleach. That's the one. Yeah. 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 <laughs> 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 one point for Paul. Yeah, Paul's yes. for Paul. Yeah. Let's, let's just end the interview now and just let's, let's all go home because that's, that's that's not going to get any better than that for me. Um, on on the subject of your podcast, so um, we've talked about your podcast on on our podcast a couple of times and on our social media. So, uh, you know, as you say, you're two friends reviewing every episode of Doctor Who right from the very beginning, and then each week you look at the Doctor, the companion, the villain, and then the story as a whole. What what was the inspiration for you guys to actually say we love Doctor Who, but let's let's now let's now talk to everyone about it on the internet? Well, like since we've been friends, myself and Trish, um, I think pr- primarily it happened as well when we moved in together for a couple of years. Was that we'd be up until about four or five just talking about random stuff in terms of Doctor Who, like you know our favorite mm-hmm. stories and like how we thought the characters would develop and that type, or how we'd like to see characters develop outside of things. And that was always kind of a running theme. But then, of course, as we got older and, you know, uh, like had to do work jobs and take on family responsibilities and all that type of stuff, uh, we didn't have as much time to do all that. So I remember back just before, I think it was a couple of months before my, my wife gave birth, um, we were talking about maybe potentially doing a YouTube uh, channel based on it. But I think after talking to the guys on mission log, uh, Trish kind of said that maybe like a podcast format would probably suit us better. And obviously with COVID, uh, mm-hmm. it, it, it has kind of done a lot better now because it has the twofold. We're able to talk about Dr. Who, but we're also able to hang out for a couple of hours, you know, every weekend. Um, so that, yeah, I think that was kind of just the fact that this is something that we've always wanted to do. And we've always, especially we want to get people that are kind of dipping their toe into the water and they're uncertain about, you know, going back and watching an older production um, that, you know, production values are a small component of what makes Doctor Who such an iconic show. It's mm. the stories and it's the characters in those stories as well. Nice. Yeah. 
like with the YouTube thing, we did trial run um, the first episode of Jodie Whittaker's run. We did try to record that for a YouTube channel. And one of the things that we found was that the YouTube format wasn't really going to work because we wanted to include similar submission log guys. We wanted to include a summary. We wanted to include trivia and then we wanted to have the breakdown. And we, we kind of knew that from the beginning, what we wanted to do because we liked the way the mission log guys had done it. Mm. Um, and for a YouTube channel, like it kept like there's I don't know if it's an EU thing, but um, Paddy's wife's video camera kept like cutting at 10 minutes. And so we had to keep restarting every 10 minutes, which was a pain. And we sort of realized like, this isn't really going to work. And so I had introduced Paddy to Mission Log and a few other similar type of podcasts. There's a few about Stargate and Battlestar Galactica that have the same theme. And we were like, oh, we should do a podcast. And we kind of talked about it for ages. But, you know, Paddy has a young family. We both work full time. Paddy sometimes had to work weekends. And so we were like, well, you know, we probably won't ever get around to doing it. It just became a sort of pipe dream. And then I um, started becoming a patron for Norman and John. And mm. I saw the way they did theirs. And I was like, hold the phone. I thought they were like in an office at Roddenberry. Mm. And they're not. And so I messaged them like almost straight away. And I was like, hey. Oh, because they mentioned on one of their Patreon feeds, like, oh, if anyone has any questions. And so I actually put in, I was like, hey. I would really love to know, can you know more about it? And they messaged me back, like, hey, if you really want to know more, reach out to us. So I started private messaging them, and they were like, yeah, no, we're in two separate locations. We use Audacity for, you know, a similar product. You know, we do it on Zoom, whatever. And I was like, we can do this. We can do it their way. And, you know, with lockdown, we've nothing else to do. So <laughs> we decided to go forth with it. I think that's probably... um it it'd be interesting, like with the lockdown and the and the pandemic, how many podcasters will just stay this way forever going forward? Because you know, so many, particularly like YouTubers and studios and all sorts of things, and this feels like such a, an easy way to to host a podcast and connect with people, and it's it's pretty cool, I find. Yeah, I think mm. for us, we'll probably stay this way for a good long while, just because Paddy's daughter is so young, um, and recording our sessions takes such a long period of time, um. You know, like each episode is between an hour and an hour and a half. So that can take two to two and a half hours to record because we screw up a lot, um, particularly in the summary and trivia sections. Um, so, you know, with Paddy's family being so young, it makes sense for us to hang out over the internet to record this rather than adding travel time to and from and hang out time before and after and stuff like that. So we'll probably stay this way for a while. Um, but I would eventually like to get us into one room. Yeah, doing it. That's and, the goal. Uh, <laughs> we've 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 got a quiz at the end of this uh, little interview, but a quick quick question to get you warmed up: How many episodes of Doctor Who are there? So, <laughs> all right. Um, at last count, uh, there's two hundred and ninety-five stories, which I think some comes out to nearly nine hundred episodes, uh, because all of the classic stories were at minimum four parts uh, mm. the, which we're going to be coming up to in a couple of weeks is the Daleks master plan and that was a 12 episode story uh, but we're actually going to break that up into uh, two parts because a lot happens in the 12 that it would just probably be easier for people to listen to it in two parts um, so yeah there's like 295 stories and then 
if we were inclined as well, like, oh, there's the spin-offs, there's Torchwood, there's the Sarah Jane Adventures. Mm. Uh, then there's also the Big Finish audio stuff. And the Big Finish audio stuff, there's some fantastic stuff there that if you don't always have time to watch stuff, you can just like have it on in the background. And like, I think Big Finish was a huge thing for Doctor Who fans, especially like the guys in the later runs, like uh, Colin Baker and Sylvester McCoy, mm. uh, because it gave them a chance to continue on with their characters. And Paul McGann as well, who I think is a fantastic actor, and his TV movie, it had such promise for his version of the Doctor that when Big Finish said, do you want to do stuff? And I was like, when I started listening to him, it's great. It's fantastic. I just really wish he'd come back for like a big, long special. Yeah, it was great when he came back for that um, 50th anniversary special as well. So just hearing the number of episodes you've got there, I guess you guys will be recording this podcast until you're in retirement by the sound of it. Then there's enough, there's enough Doctor Who out there. And with all the new Who, you're going to be, you're not going to yeah. go out of business anytime soon. <laughs> no, do you like- find them all... Oh, sorry. No, no, no. We're sorry, okay. we're oh, I was going to say, do you, do you own all of the all of the episodes, or do you watch them on different streaming services, or are they are they easily accessible? And um, so, Loose Cannon Productions, God bless them, they have a Daily Motion uh, streaming site, and they have like they did their recre- uh, recreations for the missing episodes. Mm. Uh, so, like, they have a they have all the stories uh, so far. Trish is a fair amount of the DVDs, and I have a lot of st- uh, kind of stuff from uh, when I was in college as well. So between like Netflix and Daily Motion and DVDs, where I think we pretty much got it all sewn off. <laughs> yeah, I'm a bit of a hoarder, so um, I like having the tangible products. Mm-hmm. So I used to have all the stories I liked on DVD, and now I've started slotting in all the ones I was missing. Um, so I will eventually have the complete run. And I'll be broke, but that's okay. And so this, this might be a, it might be an easy or it might be a, a tough question for you guys. If you had to give an Emmy to one doctor, and maybe you could each do it, who would you give it to and why? Mm. This this question stumped us because we were trying to figure out like who is most deserving of an Emmy because each doctor, for, for me, because um, Trish, like you probably haven't seen the whole lot of six and seven, have you? or five uh like like yeah so like for for me like each of them has like this amazing standout moment this like amazing powerhouse performance and it's very very tough so what i'll do is i'll give it to trish and she can answer first and then i'll answer second nice <laughs> okay so i to patty's point i haven't seen much of five six or seven although what i have seen of seven i love i've only seen clips of it but he's fantastic so i picked two so i have a new who and a classic who because there's too many actors otherwise. So I'll do New Who first. And New Who, I went with Peter Capaldi. Um, I didn't watch a lot of his run when it aired. Um, I wasn't a big fan of the story points at the time, so I just took a step back and I said, I'll come back to it later. I'm, I'm not enjoying this at the time. Nothing against Peter Capaldi. He was amazing. Mm-hmm. But the stories of his that I have watched... Um, one of the things that I like is with a lot of the doctors, particularly in Classic Who, there's a fine line between the actor and the doctor. And they put a lot of themselves into it. Peter Capaldi is this jovial, funny, nerdy, quirky person in general. 
But his doctor had so many like serious moments, and it was such a one eighty from Peter as a car- mm. as a person that if I was to give an Emmy to him, it would have to be to Peter, particularly because like we've seen him in other roles within the Doctor Who universe. So he was in Fires of Pompeii, he was in Torchwood, and his doctor is so completely different from any of that that I kind of have to give it to Peter for New Who. For Classic Who, I was banging my head for a while because part of me instinctively went, Tom Baker, because everyone loves Tom Baker. But uh, Doc Tom, as me and Paddy refer to him, (laughs) he is Tom Baker. No, I'm sure Tom Baker's acting was great. And it was like there's several amazing moments. Yeah. But his doctor is himself. If you ever meet him, and I met him once before, there was a very fine line between Tom Baker, the character, and Tom Baker, the man. Um, So I put Tom out of the running, and mine would really have to go to, and this is based purely on the rewatch that me and Paddy do at the moment, I'd have to give it to William Hartnell. Um, His level of emotion and depth, his quick 180, you know, from being a cantankerous old man to being really caring to being really angry. He does it all so well. And yeah, he flubs his lines a few times, but whatever, I don't care. I believe him as the doctor. So for me, it's William Hartnell from Classic and Peter Capaldi from New Who. Awesome answer. Awesome. Great choices. Cool. Um, I wish you'd gone on longer because <laughs> I'm still struggling. No, um, for me, my Emmy for New Who would come down to, it would be David Tennant. Um, as much as I love Capaldi, because I, Capaldi was something that a lot of people that got into Doctor Who hadn't seen before. And it was an older Doctor because it went Chris Eccleston and David Tennant, who were comparable in age to Matt Smith, who was the the youngest actor to ever portray the Doctor. Take that, Peter Davison. Um <laughs> And then it went completely on the opposite end of the spectrum with Peter Capaldi, like a very seasoned actor. And a lot of people were expecting him to be like your man from In the Thick of It, which is just like swearing. And uh, But David Tennant, for me, he's his season with Catherine Tate, I think, is his strongest season mm-hmm. in terms of like these amazing performances. Um, personal favorites are like the Fires of Pompeii over the whole thing of I can't interfere. As much as I want to, I can't interfere. And very emotional episode. I watched it recently with my my daughter. And she was glued to it at 15 months old. Like, hey, I'm proud. <laughs> um, his, like, just fun when he did the Agatha Christie episode and his swan song in End of Time Part 2, where um, it's, yeah, like, uh, Wil- uh, Wilf, the old man, gets locked in the boot and, like, he just kind of did this big monologue about how he could stay on for so long and do so much more. It really felt like David Tennant was trying to get his own two cents in there. Uh, so for me, it's David Tennant in New Who. And as I completely, when it comes to classic, I completely agree with Trish in the sense of it's uh, Doc Tom is, he is Tom Baker. They are one in the same. It's almost like Ryan Reynolds and Deadpool. They're the same person as far as I'm concerned. <laughs> um, oddly enough, I think based on his depth of character, I would go with Colin Baker at the sixth Doctor because he had a very short very, uh, run. It was a very controversial run as well because there was changes to the format. Uh, episodes were made 45 minutes as opposed to the standard 25 minutes. Mm. Um, the BBC were, there was rumors that they were actively trying to kill the show because they were changing the time slots and it was very hard for people to get used to seeing it. But while he was there, he had this like just amazing kind of 
presence about him that he he was he felt like William Hartnell in a, in a as a cantankerous old man, but in a younger person's body, and he was very stern and very strict. But he had some very humorous moments, and I think for me across it all, like uh, Colin Baker was a fantastic version of the Doctor. So in terms of the performance, I'd give him the Emmy for that. Nice. I, I, I love all those answers. And just quickly, my two cents, Colin Baker probably gets my Emmy as well. Not that you asked me, Dan, but that would be my choice. <laughs> I, I, I would be, uh, I would be, I think that's because I grew up with him, but uh, yeah, um, very, very, uh, yeah, very rich sort of performance, very deep range of performance. So yeah, nice. Um, just really, really quickly on the Tom Baker is Tom Baker. I love that because Sometimes if you meet someone who you've seen on the screen and then they turn out to be completely different to the character, it's like, oh, I just want you to be Han Solo or whatever it is. So if if they're just like the character they are, I think that's great, actually. That's how exact, that's exactly how I want them to be. Yeah, there's, there's a number of Doctor Who actors who are like that. Uh, John Barrowman is another one. He's exactly like his character on screen. Like, exactly like his character on screen. Right. If you have a chance to get a hug from John Barrowman, do. He'll grab your ass and you'll love it. Um okay <laughs> um but like, i so i've met a number <clears throat> excuse me i've met a number of the doctors at like conventions and stuff um colin baker and sylvester mccoy particularly because they usually sit side by side at events <laughs> which i think is adorable <laughs> they're so good and the two of them and tom who are the classic doctors i've met anytime they see a little kid come up they're just amazing with them they get fully into character. Obviously, there are more jovial sides of their character because they're little mm. kids, but they get fully into character and they're just, it's just amazing to watch them um, at events and stuff. So, yeah, a lot of the Doctor Who guys are very much like their characters on screen, or at least when they're at events, they know that that's what people want and they're more than happy to provide that for people. Nice. Dan, who would you give your Emmy to? It's it's tough. I I would almost I would almost give it to David Tennant just because this is like we talk about him a lot on uh, the Half Measures podcast, and he, he's so great in so many things. I've only seen a few Doctor Who episodes with him in there, um, and he's always great. Like I feel like he always like lights lights up the the episode. Um, I, I think he's got a great character and range. But if I was going to have to go classic Who, I guess I'd have to go with. Uh, my original Tom Baker as well, um, just because it's the one I grew up with. Um, I, I do, I do have sort of vague memories of um, Colin Baker. Um, I'm looking at a picture of him now, and that, that sort of that tight curly hair, you, you can't miss it. It's it's mm. classic. So, yeah, so, someone I think a fan did like um, a variant palette swap of his costume, and it was just basically different shades of blue. My God, <laughs> it, it, it was blinding. It was just ah. Oh. <laughs> So, how many of the doctors have you guys actually met? Have you? Uh, I've met none of them, unfortunately. <laughs> okay. Uh, yeah. Yeah, I've met four, six, seven, ten, and I sat like five feet away from eleven. Um, I'm again, you know, one of the things with Doctor Who, as with a lot of programs like Star Trek or Stargate, you have the ones that you like, and you have the ones that just didn't do it for you. Matt Smith, I know a lot of people love him. He's a great actor. His run wasn't my cup of tea. So I had the opportunity to meet him at that event and I chose not to. Um, but I did go to a sort of a Q&A session with him and David. And I was sat like 
10 feet away from them. So I kind of half met him. This is the way I would look at that. It's interesting. I think with the thinking about how many episodes there are, the time you get up to, I guess, reviewing New Who, that'll also be Classic Who in a way. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, bearing in mind, like the first episode of New Who, Rose with Chris Rackleson, that was 15 years ago. Wow. Oh, wow. My nieces weren't even born when that started. Do you know? I was still in secondary school. I um I just watched uh, Lord of the Rings in the weekend and just sort of you know that that's nineteen years old now as well and it's it's so terrifying isn't it these movies TV shows that you kind of grew up with and around and it's oh as I see as far as far as I'm concerned like you know when people say like oh this was twenty years ago it's still like in nineteen eighty five because <laughs> like yeah because like I was born in nineteen eighty seven like so like when I see hear movies that I love growing up like oh they're this many years old and I'm like oh god. <laughs> but at least you've never had um i used to be a teacher in a previous life and um i taught science and we were talking one day about energy and so like when you use a telephone it changes sound energy into electrical energy and both me and the textbook describe this as you speak into the receiver and it changes it into electrical energy it sends it down the wire of the phone and hands everywhere miss what do you mean by the wire Phones don't have wires. <laughs> and I was like, yeah, well, nowadays phones don't have wires. Good point. I was like, but they used to have a wire. And they were like, oh. And I was like, yeah, I was like, when I was little, and actually like five years ago, um, the phone was connected by a wire to the unit where you dial the numbers. And they were like, oh, like in Mary Poppins. <laughs> I, was like, I was 24, and these people were equating me to someone from 1910. Amazing. Yeah, yeah. Look, I, I work with someone who's uh, 25, and she regularly says, that, says to me, back in your day, Dan, when it was when it was black and white, like, whoa. <laughs> no, I, when people ask me how old I am, I always tell them I was alive when there was two Germanys. <laughs> yeah, nice. So given that, there's, given that there is so much who out there, and you know people are coming at it at all different ages and times what would you say is a good place to someone who's never watched any doctor who where would you say start here do you do you send them all the way back to william hartner or do you start them off with you know the new who what do you do i think for me it depends on the person right um because like i i'm i'm a very kind of old kind of spirit in terms of like some of my favorite things to watch, like the Marx Brothers movies from the 1930s or uh, dad's army, uh, keep you up or uh, are you being served? That type of stuff. That's the things I was raised on. So going back and watching like the first run, I, I kind of see past like a lot of the production issues and I just kind of focus on the actual acting and the stories. So if you're kind of in that mentality, if it's like content that you're looking for, mm. uh, Oh yeah, by all means go all the way back to the back uh, to the start. But if you're kind of trying to see what it's maybe all about, um, I would say either start off with some of the middle of Tom's run when he had Sarah Jane with him, because that's, I mm. think, his peak performance, uh, to coin a phrase for me. Um, <laughs> uh, or, or just even start with um, Eccleston uh, coming into the reboot. Yeah. Yeah, I'd be of a similar mindset. My niece is 11, and... Um, in lockdown, she decided that she wanted to start watching Doctor Who, and she knew that I've obviously been watching it for years or whatever. And I would kind of cross my fingers. And I was like, "Please start her with Eccleston because she's eleven, 
Um, so starting her with the black and white stuff wasn't gonna fly. Um, mm. I would be very similar to Patty. Like if you're someone who you like old TV shows and old movies and stuff like that, um, then yeah, start with um Hartnell. But if you're someone who you only ever watch modern TV, I would say start with the new stuff. And then if you're interested, you can work your way back. Um, the other thing that I would suggest is a lot of people say like, oh, pick a doctor. Like if you want to get into the classic stuff, they always say pick a doctor. It looks like start with Tom Baker or start with John Pertwee or like you know, start with Tennant or whatever. Um, I would actually recommend doing it the way I did it, which is I started with a companion. Because the companions are easier. A, they're not on for as long. So you don't have as many stories to try and slog your way through mm. to see if you like it. But also the companion is your entry point as a viewer. So if you have a companion that you relate to, so in my case it was Sarah Jane, you're more likely to get into those stories. And then right. you can see if you like the doctor and if you do, you'll keep watching. If you don't, you'll stop. Um, so that would be my recommendation is that if you do want to get into the classic stuff, but you don't want to start from the very beginning, you don't want to do the whole hog, look up the character bios and see what char- what, what companion strikes your fancy and watch their episodes. And then maybe you can spin off in the other direction as well. Nice. I really I like that. I was worried, Trisha, when you said do what I did, because I thought you were going to suggest to people that they start watching reality TV and see if they can find a back door into it. But, uh, no, you, do, what I, did with, do what I did with classic. Do what I did with classic. Yeah. I've had someone else recommend to me, um, uh, you know, just watch one episode from each of the doctors and see which one strikes you. But I feel that that could be quite difficult if you're just going off of one episode of each. But um, yeah, interesting ways of doing it. Yeah, like the one episode of each would be difficult because, you know, do you go with the highest rated episode? Do you go with the sort of culturally accepted best episode? You know, if you if your first episode of Tom was Genesis of the Daleks, mm-hmm. you know, it has very Nazi-esque symbology mm-hmm. in it. Um, it gets quite dark. You have people being tortured. You know, that might not be your jam, you know? Um, Correct. so I, I think that recommendation, while it works for maybe older people who, you know, can read an episode synopsis and decide based on that, if they want to go with that episode for younger audiences, I would kind of veer away from that one. So speaking of, um, companion characters <coughs> and I guess other characters in the Doctor Who universe, who would be your favorite non-Doctor characters? Mine's Sarah Jane. It has always been Sarah Jane, and it will always be Sarah Jane. <laughs> so, so that's Sarah Jane, is it? <laughs> Are you sure? Are you sure it's Sarah Jane? Okay, good. The best, okay, mo- the best moment of my like convention-going life was when I, when I got to meet Elizabeth Sladen, who, play, who plays Sarah Jane. It is like an outstanding memory in my mind that I will cherish mm. forever. Nice, nice. Nice. Um, so I kind of generally have like a top, five in terms of the companions that i enjoy uh so sarah jane for me as well is she's the quintessential doctor who companion um and as well because we we talk about uh, barbara in the early stories like how we know she's a great portrayal of like you know female characters in science fiction sarah was that as well because i remember uh, in college trish once to prove someone wrong did a tally of how many times the doctor saves her versus she saves the doctor. And it was like neck and neck. Um, I, w- I would like to say, because someone, sometimes going to listen to this, I looked it up on the internet. There was a website dedicated to counting <laughs> it up. I didn't do it. There was a website. 
Um, but my other ones would be so it'd be Ian and Barbara from the first Doctor's run. Um, I love I love both of them. Uh, Ian because due to some things I generally tend to do in my life, I am Ian, <laughs> as, as Trish likes to point out at times. Um, Donna from the newest, uh, uh, the sorry, New Who with uh, David Tennant, because uh, she's very old school in her approach to stuff, but she's also like a nice gateway in for uh, New Who fans. And I would th- I would think, based on my first run-through, it would be interesting to see it on the second run-through, but uh, Ace from Sylvester McCoy's run, because she was kind of like the the genesis for what's become a thing in Doctor Who now, which is that the companion ha- seems to have a destiny or seems to be integral to the overall arc of the season. So Ace was the first kind of character to have that sort of level of mystique and destiny about them. Mm. And it, w- it was really great, like some great stories, like the Doctor got very dark and you got to see like the more sinister side of him, but like obviously played with Sylvester McCoy, who comes across as a bit of a, a joker, it could actually be the DC Joker in the sense of like, you know, there is some sort of potentially malicious intent behind it. But Ace, uh, Sophie Aldred is just fantastic in the role. Like she just nails it every time. Uh, so yeah, that would be my top five, I think, in Doctor Who. I think we do have to give an honorable mention as well um, to the break. Oh, the break. Yes. Like. I can see confused faces. Mm. <laughs> uh, the, the Brigadier, who is the head oh, of. Oh, the Brigadier. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, you, unit. Yeah. Yeah, I hated what they did to him in New Who, but he was he was so amazing. And so is uh, Doctor Who experts. Well, at least as as far as the four of us go, <laughs> do you find yourselves um, being able to sort of jump around and watch a little bit of old Who, New Who, um, quite easily, or do you sort of find yourself a bit more of a being a completionist where you need to be like, oh, I'm going to start one, I need to sort of finish this arc or series, or I guess it's so long, but. I, I ha- I'm happy to jump around. Um, one thing I have found is that with... I, I'm this way with most mod, quote-unquote modern TV shows. Um, with New Who, I tend to watch bits. So like I'll watch it on Netflix or whatever, and I'll just skim through to the bits of each episode that I like watching. I do the same thing with Star Trek and a lot of other things I watch um, because I know the episode so well. I don't bother watching the bits I didn't enjoy. I just skip it. Mm-hmm. Um, with classic who I jump around and I pick which stories I watch, but I find I never skim through those stories. I'll watch, I'll sit down and say like um, planet of evil or Genesis of the Daleks or edge of destruction or whatever. I'll sit down and I'll watch the entire story end to end without jumping, but I can pick up any one of them. I could pick up a third doctor or a fourth doctor. That doesn't matter. Yeah. I'm kind of the same. So like when, like when we're doing the the podcast, obviously the guy, I'm running through it sequentially, but uh, times where I just kind of could take a break from the sequence. I might just dive into like a fourth or a third doctor story. Uh, I was actually thinking of uh, watching the, Oh, I pronounce it Damon's. D-A-E-M-O-N-S, but some people pronounce it demons. Uh, so like I'm ju- I think I might jump into that during the week because uh, I love that story. Uh, yeah, like what a great thing with uh, John Pertwee and Roger Delgado as the master and Bach, the weird stone gargoyle. <laughs> and, and so, Paddy, are you a Star Trek fan as well? Oh, yes. Okay, so I guess question for the three of you then is how, like, you know, if someone's thinking about jumping into either – uh, Star Trek or Doctor Who? What what do you think's got the easier entry into the into the series? Right, I think uh, Doctor Who has an easier entry. Um, 
if we're looking at the entire body of work, mm. so for Star Trek, that's the original series up until Lower Decks. Um, most of Star Trek stories, you kind of have to, how do I put it? They're one-off stories, but you don't get a lot of character development in them. So you don't really get to know the character. If you get a good character episode, you got a good character episode. But you might not, you're not guaranteed to get a good character episode. Whereas with Doctor Who, particularly with the classic stuff, I think as well with the new stuff, the characters do grow quite quickly. And there is a continuation in their growth from story to story. So you can follow one character and sort of see them. Whereas I think with Star Trek, it can be a bit harder to do that. And like, you know, if you're trying to do, you know, my version of like pick a character you like. So if you like Worf, you get to watch TNG and Deep Space Nine. Mm -hmm. But his character goes up and down and back and forth and he takes two steps forwards and a million steps back. Um, So that would just be, that's my opinion. I think Doctor Who would be easier to get into. Yeah, no, I'd be I'd be the same because like one thing I found because uh, I recently rewatched all of uh, Trek. I wanted to do it for the first time in chronological order, um, and yeah, like there are times where like there's just something happens, but there's absolutely no development for the characters. So there are characters that you find it very hard to get any sort of a read on. You're just like, okay, I've got a room full of bit parts here, <laughs> that type of thing. Whereas with who it's like especially classic because you, you've got one story which just told over four or five parts mm-hmm. and there are times where everyone gets separated from each other then you know the room for character development is you know it's open season so you could find yourself wanting oh i want to go back to this person no 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 i want to go back to that person no no and back and forth back and forth it's, it's a really interesting one because uh i thought i was going to answer it's track but the more i think about it i think the, the easiest entry point for me, if I was to recommend to someone, would be the new who. I think starting with Christopher Eccleston, it felt like so easy to pick up and so easy to go into that. And then, you know, you sort of make your own mind up whether you, you want to carry on as as he goes into the 10th Doctor or not. But um, it's I feel awful saying that about my track as well at the same time. Um, it's uh, You've put me in a really hard position. Dan, we didn't agree these questions. You didn't. <laughs> This is too much for me. I can't cope. I did want. I did want to quickly um, just touch on a couple of things that you talked about, Patty, because it just resonated with me. One, Donna. I couldn't cope with Donna because I could not separate her from Catherine Tate, the comedian. It, it was. It was. It took me out of the show. We talked about. Um, uh, we talked about Samuel Jackson on our most recent podcast. Um, you know, could have taken me out of Star Wars, but he, he didn't. Um, the other thing you talked about was, oh, it was so long ago now, see? I should have written it down, half measure. Um, <laughs> who else did you talk about? Oh, no, that's, that was what I was going to say. It was, it was talking about um, Ian and Barbara, and you were talking about companions that I really have had very little um, experience of seeing on screen because I, I haven't watched much of the first three Doctors. I could probably say about a dozen episodes across the three of them, which is awful. But listening to your guys' podcast each week, the passion and the love and the care for these characters that you have. I feel like I now have a really good sense for who these people are. And it's really driving me to go want to watch these characters because Ian uh, and Susan and Barbara, they they sound really, really, um, you know, much more 
deeper characters than I perhaps thought they might have been given how long ago they were they were written. And I think um, credit to you guys um, for the podcast because it, re- it really does bring those characters to life. So I think a good way for anyone to start watching Doctor Who is to start with your podcast because it really gives you a sense of who's who. Um, but I think to give that answer some sort of uh, context, they need to be doing that in about 30 years' time once you've covered them all. <laughs> so that's that's the answer I think we're, uh, we're going to go with. I think that's a great name for a future podcast, Who's Who. Yeah, yeah. I love it. The thing I like about your comment there, Paul, and thank you very much, I really appreciate it, is your comment is exactly what me and Paddy wanted out of this. When we were in college we would regularly butt heads with people about Classic Who. Like, we would be sat there debating whether Classic Who was good or not. And I think when it comes to companions, which again is always our entry point as the audience, people think that Classic Who companions, all they did was scream for the Doctor and they never did anything for themselves. And yeah, there are companions who did do that, and some of them are very annoying, but I think everyone overlooked Ian and Barbara, who were the first human companions, and they're so great. Actually, your listeners won't be able to see this, but I got this amazing t-shirt in the post the other day (laughs) that has Ian and Barbara on it, and it's really cool. I love it. Amazing. Amazing. (laughs) Um, But yeah, so Ian and Barbara are awesome, and they're massively overlooked. So the fact that like it now makes you you want to see them more and stuff like that is great. That's exactly what me and Patty wanted. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it was just the thing of um, that. Like one thing I've noticed uh, in the last couple of years is that there are times where, like, science fiction stories written in the fifties and sixties, they're fantastic and they're like just so kind of like progressive. It could be like the word you could throw around, but they're just so well ahead of their time. Mm-hmm. And that's what I loved about uh, rewatching Ian and Barbara because they are ahead of their time. Like for me, a, a kind of a modern day, or if you want to go back to like when we were growing up, an equivalent of Barbara would probably be Beverly Crusher from Next Generation right. in terms of like a very kind of um, independent, very professional and very kind of just strong female character, that type of thing. So if you have someone like that back in 1963, that that's definitely a, a character that you can again invest in. And you can make the argument that no, it's not as like old fashioned or like sexist or anything like that as people mm-hmm. perceive it to be. Awesome. Guys, let's talk about something which isn't Doctor Who related because the Half Measure podcast, as you know, is basically whatever Dan and I have been watching. So when you guys are not watching Doctor Who, and I appreciate that you watch a lot of Doctor Who, <laughs> <laughs> what what have you guys been watching? Paddy, do you want to go first? Uh, yeah. So actually, uh, just an answer, no, not an answer, but in reference to your P performance from this week, uh, Samuel L. Jackson, I'd go with The Negotiator. I think that's his best performance. Oh, oh yes. Yeah. Very nice. I, re- choice, I re- choice. really enjoyed that movie. My brother got it on DVD and I, I, I watched it like, uh, like 20 times in the space of uh, like six months or something. I just couldn't get enough of it. Um, but lately I've been watching a mix of like anime. So I've been watching, um, Oh, about, uh, it's a show called Parasite, and th- which is like I'm a huge fan of John Carpenter's The Thing, and that's very kind of body uh, takeover, aliens, the whole lot, stuff like that. Uh, I dip in and out of the 1997 series of Berserk, which I love, I think is amazing. Mm-hmm. Um, then 
based on my own love of the franchise and what you were talking about at the last day, I finished watching uh, War for Cybertron this morning before. Uh, oh, nice. Uh, I also had like the DVDs of like the G1 series and I gave them to my nephew and I've never seen them again. <laughs> um, so it's kind of cool to see like a very, what I, it's a very unique spin on the Transformers story. I think it was great. And with my wife, I'm watching Criminal Minds and Lee. We watch that <laughs> like kind of we do two and two every night. And I recently restarted watching Deadwood again. Oh, that's a great TV show. Yeah, I, I watched show. the first season uh, when I was in college. A buddy of mine gave me the DVD, and I was like, "Oh, cool! I'll, you know, I'll give this a chance." Yeah, thirteen hours straight through run, and I didn't go to college the next day. So, <laughs> damn you, Ian that McShane! Education you need. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Ian McShane swearing yeah. every minute. It's great. Al Al Swearingen was it? Al Swearingen. Al Swearingen. Yeah. 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 Brilliant. I love him. Oh look! Uh, one of the guys that kind of got me into the show, he used to like, do an impression of Mister Wu doing Sturgeon, <laughs> and I was like, "What the hell are you saying? Are you saying Al's fire engine?" I was just thinking of Toy Story too, you know, Al's toy barn, Al's. <laughs> yeah. yeah. So I don't have as many things on the go as Paddy does. Um, I have a tendency. Uh, Paddy, Paddy knows this. Um, I've been burned by TV shows in the past that I get very invested in and then people come along and just kick me in the pants. Um, usually towards the end of the show's run, whatever. So I tend to not watch new programs. I will gladly go back and rewatch Star Trek over and over and over again, um, mm-hmm. which I generally do. And particularly with Mission Log, I'll always try and watch the episode the guys are talking about in any given week. Um, Same here. But the... One new show I have been watching lately is, I binged it actually the other day, was The Umbrella Academy Season 2. Um, I'm really enjoying that show. I think it's really imaginative. I know it's based on the comic book and I haven't read that, but uh, the story and stuff is really imaginative. I think that's really great. I have also been watching episodes of Glee lately. Um, context, one of the actresses from Glee sadly passed away a month ago. So I've just been sort of rewatching my favorite clips of her from from that program. Hmm. Um, what else have I been watching? That's pretty much it. I've been watching the Umbrella Academy, Glee, and watching bits of Star Trek and Doctor Who. I I said I tend to just rewatch the same things over and over again. Uh, and I watched the first episode of Lower Decks. Okay, which is good. Yeah, we we haven't got Lower Decks here, and I'm quite angry about it. But um, the uh, the Umbrella Academy, funny you should mention that. That's something my wife and I have just recently got into as well, and we're really enjoying that too. So um, yeah, some some great shows in there, some things to add to the uh, the watch list. Then, if you ha- if you do if you do want to watch the first episode of Lower Decks, CBS put it up on YouTube for free, and they haven't region locked it. Okay. Oh, okay. I had heard they had region locked the YouTube, but that's what I get for reading comments. So I should have checked it out for myself. <laughs> well, uh, I I saw it elsewhere. Um, I don't know but, what you're saying, Trisha. No, um, but I did see on Twitter. My Twitter feed was that everyone saying, like, "Oh, thank you for not region locking it." So, um, okay, because hmm. I think they were meant to have international distribution and. With COVID and stuff, things just fell through. I think that's a pretty weak excuse, given the fact that it's Star Trek, but whatever. 
I think this is the um, the great thing, you know, talking to people who are passionate about uh, different TV shows and movies and things. It's just getting like new recommendations for stuff all the time. Like every time Paul and I talk, there's always a, a TV show or something that comes up that I'm like, oh God, I need to watch that again. Um, and hearing um, you guys before talk about shows like um, Have You Been Served or Dad's Army or even just talking about Blackadder uh, before we went on here. Those are all such great shows and shows that I remember growing up. My dad always watching those shows. And I need to go back to some of those. They're so good. I like. I am a huge Black Adder fan. I bought the script book just so I could actually kind of, if I didn't have access to the episodes, I could just read my favorite parts. Like Black Adder the Third is my favorite series of the whole lot. It's just so good. I was um, telling Paul about that. It's sort of a long winded story. But when I was a kid, I used to. My dad would watch Black Adder, and my dad would always say, "This is the show isn't for you. You should go to bed." And I'd always be like, "Try and watch it as much as I could." <laughs> And um, Paul had a, a similar experience with his with his um, son wanting to watch Seinfeld, mm. and um, Paul saying that this isn't for you. But you know, me telling Paul that look, I still burned into my memory that my dad telling me I can't watch it, and you know, don't don't scare him, Paul. Don't scare him. <laughs> I want to be the I want to be remembered as the the, the the dad that said yes, you go on, you can watch it. And uh, I don't think Seinfeld's too bad, is it? So we should be okay. Well, um, like when my my daughter was just home from the hospital, like obviously I took the month off. So I watched two things with her. I watched the New Japan Pro Wrestling Best of the Super Juniors tournament. And I also watched Attack on Titan, which she got really into. Oh, wow. <laughs> I was like, cool. Like, so if I go like, ah, uh, with a big open mouth, she's not going to get freaked out at all. <laughs> Brilliant. I noticed I noticed in both of your list, guys, that there was no Irish TV shows in there. Are there any Irish TV shows that we should be watching? Um, so the three TV shows that I would recommend to anyone that wants to know any bit about Ireland are Father Ted, uh, Derry Girls, uh, which uh, I absolutely like. It's it's great. Like there's some really really good moments. There's some really hard hitting moments in it as well, but it's really good. And The Young Offenders. So definitely recommend The Young Offenders. Yeah, so The Young Offenders was originally a movie. It's based in Cork, where me and Paddy are from. Um, so if you want to get an insight into certain parts of Cork, Young Offenders is a good way to go. Um, it was originally a movie that I know is available on Netflix. Um, and then when the movie did really well, they sort of rejigged it a small bit, and they've now made it into a TV series. So like obviously the movie was one single contained story, and now they have a TV series, and they're on season three, I believe. Yeah, um, but it's I it's would, really funny. I would say leave the movie and just watch the TV series because, like, the TV series kind of rehashes a small, a small bit of the stuff done in the movie, but it does it better, I think, uh, in my opinion. Yeah, I was just not from a streaming perspective if the series is available everywhere, but I think the movie is available everywhere on Netflix. So yeah, okay. um, depends on your intro point. Um, but the Ted as well, very good on Dry Girls. Yeah. Looks like in New Zealand we've got the the movie, not the. Uh, not the like, TV you, you'll see, like it's still like in terms of like when you watch the movie and then you go watching the TV series, it's like oh the TV series kind of does it a small bit better, but I, but the movie is still enjoyable by itself. So I would definitely check it out. Yeah, it could be a movie of the week for us, Paul. I was just thinking the same thing, Dan. Hey, you you guys probably can't see here, but I've got a stain on my top, which is a result of me watching Dairy Girls. It hasn't come out. It hasn't come out. I spilt my tea. Because I was laughing so hard at the guy, the old guy, Uncle Uncle Colm, is it? Who's oh yeah! Oh Jesus! I 
honestly, I I would put that in my top ten comedy <laughs> moments of all time. His long winded speeches, yeah. and I'm not I'm not going to butcher the accent, but just the way uh, he was reciting things was just absolutely right. brilliant. But but it's like the family is like, like oh, it's it's every man for himself when it comes to our column. <laughs> just, yeah, yeah. just stay away right. from him. Just can't, my, can't my, get away from him. My favorite bit with that is when they're all after eating the scones. <laughs> <laughs> you get high on scones, <laughs> That's scones. Right. and the nun is like am i dead <laughs> it's just the way she's just playing it and it's like that was actually pretty oh. funny the nun the nun is fantastic as well absolutely dairy girls all of them in fact all of them just absolutely yeah. brilliant absolutely brilliant my yeah. favorite bits are like when the granddad uh like you know so ian mckinley and uh tommy tiernan they just go at each other it's just oh it's fantastic because like, it's because it, it, it is very representative of that kind of cross-border families marrying each other. Right. To, to be honest, you'd probably have that between Cork and Kerry about it. It, it. Exactly. Like that's the thing. I, I'm originally from Kerry, and my wife is from Cork. So, like, you you make the the joke is like, oh, you marry someone from Cork, so you can get your visa, so you can actually stay in Cork. <laughs> 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 that type of stuff. Well, yeah, I think you know people look at Dairy Girls and even the Young Offenders. Father Ted, I think less so because people kind of saw Father Ted as the satire that it was mm, kind of intended to be. Yeah. Um, but with Dairy Girls and the Young Offenders, um, people sort of look at it and they're like, "That can't really be what Ireland is like." And part of me is like, "Yeah, I mean, you know, the threat of the wooden spoon. Yeah, the wooden yeah. spoon rarely <laughs> ever came out of the drawer, but." Everyone knew, there. like, if you show a wooden spoon to an Irish person around our age or older, the like, hands immediately go to buttocks. You're sort of slowly backing <laughs> away. <laughs> uh, nice. But it's a great... Yeah. A, and so... No, work away, guys. Oh, sorry, no, work away. No, no, I was just going to say, so um, have you guys ever made it over this way to New Zealand? Uh, I actually have. My sister-in-law's from New Zealand uh oh wow yeah she's from auckland um her dad is her dad is english but her mom is from tonga so we went over there for the wedding and it was great and like us irish people thought we could drink no <laughs> no <laughs> her cousins were up and they did like pigs on the spit for the the wedding meal and they were up like about six in the morning and they were there with heineken and just drinking away those same guys were up until six the following morning still drinking <laughs> <laughs> amazing uh, but i absolutely loved it what i tell people it's like well, what's new zealand like it's like ireland but nicer weather <laughs> <laughs> that's that's a nice discussion i like that yeah. how about you trisha have you been over short answer no <laughs> <laughs> would i like to go yes um because Everything about your country just sounds so amazing. A, you're the nice Australia because you don't have things to try to kill you, um, <laughs> which is always good. Um, your coastline looks amazing. You have a lot of um, really good, really cool marine life down your way. Um, I'm a huge like orca person. Orcas are my favorite animals ever, mm-hmm. and I see a lot of documentaries. Are like, oh, we're down in New Zealand watching orcas. I'm like, oh, can you? Um, and of course, you know, the controversial New Zealand tourism trade of Lord of the Rings. Mm-hmm. Uh, a little bit controversial. Um, but yeah, I would love to visit New Zealand, but I have not yet had the opportunity. One thing I did there when we were there, we went to uh, Waikoma to the glowworm caves. 
uh which was like amazing like you know it, it, like from we were staying in Waitakere uh and it was like a three-hour drive to the place and we were there it's like you know you abseil in and then you're in the, the ring you know the, the water rings and you're going down and of course like the tour guy thinks he's hilarious by going oh yeah it's completely shallow there out you get and all of a sudden you're like completely underwater um but then like you know just the whole experience of like turning off the light and just seeing the entire cave full of glowworms it's amazing and then um, on the drive back, where it's just nothing but pastures and pastures of sheep plotting their eventual overthrow of the populace of New Zealand. <laughs> Definitely. And have either of you ever been to Ireland? Uh, yeah, I came to Ireland about 18 months ago, back when we were allowed to travel. Um, and I, 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 I loved it. I, I read that comment of it. It's, it's kind of like, I found Ireland very much like New Zealand as well. Um, and one of the Speaking of tourism, one of the things, one of the main reasons I wanted to go to Ireland is I wanted to do the the Game of Thrones tour to go around some of the, the castles and see all the props, and um, it was really cool. We went on this tour bus and they gave us a uh, Game of Thrones um, big cloaks with like you know, fur around them and stuff, and going to look at all these different castles and stuff everywhere. It was amazing. I absolutely loved it. It was so good. Yeah, like, uh, we have mutual friends who are, like, extras on it. So, like, every time, like, you know, there'd be an episode, they're going, like, there I am behind, you know, the fifth guy in the row behind Stannis, that type of thing. <laughs> it's great. Even what, even watching uh, Game of Thrones, like, afterwards was so, was so great. That, oh, I know where that tree is. I know where that castle is. It's a shame that um, TV show ended like a, a flaming garbage truck. But regardless, it was still great to be able to see some of those scenes. Yeah, let's not get you fired up about that again, Dan. Um, I, I have been to Ireland. It was when I was a teenager, so just a couple of years ago. And um, it, uh, I, I actually spent most of my time in Northern Ireland um, with uh, staying at a university mate's house in Ballymena. And I uh, had a, what is it called? A, a Balamina fry, a fry, I forget what it was. It was a fry up, but it was just the most delicious fry up I've ever had in my life. It was um, just, I think mainly because there was so much of this fried bread. What was the bread called? Amazing bread, fry bread. I don't know. I don't know. What it, was. <laughs> it was, it was a great time. Um, and I did a, a couple of days in Dublin, but I didn't get to explore as much as I would have liked. But um, who knows one day when we go back to, to normal, whatever that looks like, maybe, maybe um, we'll, We'll pop across. Hmm. Northern Ireland is a, it's a, it's a beautiful part of the country. Like mm. for as much of you know trouble that goes on up there, that has gone up up there, and mm. you know things with Brexit now at the moment. Like it's such a beautiful part of the country. Like I definitely recommend anyone to go visit it. Also, come down and visit South and Cork and, and Kerry and stuff like that. For sure, uh, or, or even for yourself, Dan, uh, go down to Wexford where they shot the D-Day landings for Saving Private Ryan. Oh right, right. Um, also, sort of a few things for like a bit of Vikings was shot there as well in Ireland, or yeah. a bit of it was filmed there. Yeah, yeah. Again, Star Wars. Nice. Yeah, and Star Wars off uh, Skelling uh, Michael. Luke, oh, Luke's home in the new trilogy is off the coast of Ireland. And an interesting fact, and I remember when we were watching um, The Last Jedi in the cinema, um, we made a joke coming out of it about the porgs, so the little bird thing. Oh, yep. And that island is a puffin sanctuary. And so we made a joke in the Caribbean, like, was it just that they couldn't afford to CG out all the puffins, so they CG'd over them? And it was a joke that we made in the car. And then I went home and I looked it up, and we were right. <laughs> they couldn't afford to get rid of the puffins, so they just replaced them with porks instead. Amazing. And that's how the porks were born. Yep. Base puffins. <laughs> 
Well, as as uh, advertised and promised, um, before we uh, we let you guys disappear back into the TARDIS, we do have a uh, a Doctor Who quiz for you. Um, it's not not too long, not too taxing. We hope um, there's uh, 13 questions in honor of the 13 Doctors, and uh, you guys uh, are gonna team up and uh, see how many of them you can get right. So, um, are you ready to kick in? We're ready to go. Okay. Which actor who played the Doctor also played a character in classic Star Wars movie? Which actor who played the Doctor? Oh, it's uh, Peter Cushing. Damn it. I was really thinking <laughs> this would be the one. I was really thought this would be the one that would because it wasn't an official Doctor. Yeah. I even, tried, <laughs> even, I even went with saying there's 13 questions for the 13 Doctors. But okay. So, yes. Yeah, so, this is the Doctor uh, from Doctor Who and the Daleks and Daleks Invasion 2150 AD, the greatest title of any movie, I think you've yeah. said on it before. <laughs> for sure. yeah. And obviously, Governor Turkin in A New Hope. So, um, okay. I think let's see if you can get 100%. <laughs> um, this one you don't need to think about too much. You just have to give a quick answer. True or false? The real-life daughter of the 10th Doctor is actually married to the 5th Doctor. False. The real-life daughter of the 5th Doctor is actually married to the 10th Doctor, and they met on an episode called The Doctor's Daughter. And funny fact, someone asked uh, Peter Davison at a convention, what's the most interesting gift you were ever given by a fan? And someone shouted out, a granddaughter. <laughs> <laughs> it's amazing it does it does amaze me to think that david tennant the 10th doctor is married to the daughter of peter davison the fifth doctor i mean having peter davison as a doctor be your father that's just one of the most extraordinary quirks ever um i'm not mm. surprised i thought if i flicked it around you might just get tricked and say true but okay it's, it's, uh, you guys have had your have had your coffee let's get into question three which of the seven classic doctors never got a proper regeneration scene into their next iteration of the Doctor? Uh, it was seven. It was Peter... Oh, sorry, it was Sylvester McCoy because it was done into a movie. Did one get one? According to ScreenRant.com, <laughs> it was the sixth Doctor Who, Colin Baker, who didn't get a regeneration properly. And so they had they put makeup over Sylvester McCoy's face to make it look like it was Colin Baker, but apparently... No, I, I think I got thrown a small bit with the word of the question, but the, that is a thing where they just threw on a Harpo Marx wig on top of him and his face was just distorted. Correct, yeah. And then I guess Sylvester McCoy got his transition into Paul McGann in, that, in the movie, right? In the, in the movie, yeah. Okay, so, um, and this is how I knew the, the actor's name from Davros earlier, not because I was clever, but because I had any questions. So Julian Bleach, <laughs> who plays Davros, uh, is the latest iteration of Davros. Can you name the three actors who played Davros in Classic Who between 1975 to 1988? I got one that's Michael Wisher, and then after that, it's... That was, that was the same one I had. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Michael, Wisher, okay. Michael Wisher was the first one. Um, yeah, Correct. Bonus point for that. Yeah, uh, David Goodison was the second. And the one I was actually most familiar with, I think because of the Colin Baker, is, is Terry Malloy. Uh, he played him from 84 through to 88, apparently. Uh, what were the last words that the 10th Doctor, David Tennant, said in his final scene before he regenerated? I don't, don't want, want to go. go. Wow. <laughs> okay, correct. I don't want to go. That's exactly what he said. <laughs> 
question six between what years did Patrick Troughton play the role of the doctor, the second doctor, that is? Uh, 66 to 69. 70, probably. Or Patrick Troughton. I thought, sorry, never mind. You said P, and my, my brain went to Peter Davison. Patrick Troughton. <laughs> Correct. I, I take the first answer from Patty. That was the, the correct answer. On what other three occasions in Classic Who did Patrick Dredden reprise the role of the Doctor? Uh, so he did it for the three Doctors, the five, five doctors. doctors, and and the two Doctors. Spot on. Absolutely right. Uh, question eight. Which are the only Doctors to have never encountered the Master on screen? Oh. Uh, w- no. One. 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 <laughs> w- one and one and two and six. Are we yeah, talking one, classic two, or all of it? The classic. whole lot, Trisha. The whole nine. Lot, sorry. Okay, so yeah. What? No. Okay. One, two, six, eight, nine. Eight. No, no, eight. No, no eight. 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 I have watched eight. the movie. <laughs> so yeah. No. So eight, 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 four, eight has fought. has encountered them. Okay. So one, two, six, nine. Uh, 11. That's it. Okay, well, I feel a little bit cheeky here because 1 and 2 did encounter the Master in the 20th anniversary Five Doctors special, which is a little bit uh, nasty, isn't it? No, no. <laughs> the, the official it's answer... It's cheating but true. It's cheating but true. The, yeah, the official answer true. is what you gave, which was 6, 9, and 11. So to be fair to you, well done. Um Question nine. The seventh doctor carries an umbrella with what shape on the handle? Question mark. Question mark. Oh. Yeah, there we go. Of the 13 main doctors, who had the longest tenure? Tom. Okay. Or- uh, no, see, this, no, see, this is a thing, though, that try, some people try to catch people out in, right? So, technically speaking, Tom has the most continuous arc as the doctor technically though but sylvester mccoy oh, yeah, his yeah. period up until the movie <laughs> i i see what you, i i didn't think of that and i've put tom baker so uh, but i know what you mean because of the time that doctor who was off the air um so on that note which doctor, uh, question 11 which doctor had the shortest on-screen tenure uh paul paul uh paul. Well, if you go with just the movie it'd be paul yeah paul Question 12, which actor played the Doctor and also voiced a character in the animated TV series Star Wars Rebels? Tom. Correct. Tom Baker played the Bendu. I'm really glad we don't have video for the listeners so they can see how annoyed I am at how easily we're getting these. (laughs) Um, uh, Which Doctor actually owned the the tweed jacket that he wore throughout his time on the series? Who were tweed, Patty? <laughs> See, this is the thing, though, because if it's two lads in black and white, yeah. Uh... <laughs> <laughs> right, so tweed, 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 tweed. Oh, no, it's... Wait, is it David Tennant? That was a tweed suit? No. Or was that a pinstripe? No, it's pinstripe. pinstripe. Okay, I'm... Uh, go throw it out there and go say Patrick Trump. Yeah, I was going to roll the dice on two as well. Correct answer is Matt Smith. The producers uh-huh. saw him in his own tweed jacket and he wore, apparently he wore that during this time on the series and they thought it would suit his character nicely. Um, and a little bonus question, just because I'm a, a fan of all of these music groups, uh, the Rolling Stones, the Beatles or the Who? Which of these classic British bands made a cameo in classic Who? It was the Beatles. So good. 
It was um, indeed the Beatles. The best way to describe Paul's reaction is like when, you know, Belloc is calling down to Indiana Jones in Raiders of the Lost Ark and you just start like, ha, 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 son of a bitch. <laughs> <laughs> That's exactly right. I, uh, I, I have to hand it to you. Yes, it was indeed the Beatles uh, seen on a time scanner performing Ticket to Ride in the 1965 episode. The Chase. Right. That's it. That's well, it. Uh, an interesting add-on to that is that because of the chase, that's the only existing footage of that performance. I That came up in the trivia as well. So, yeah. look, okay, I think one thing we can establish from this uh, time, Dan, is that these guys uh, are a full measure. They really do know their stuff, and they're they're worthy of the podcast that they produce. Yay. I agree. I agree. <laughs> that, that was well done, guys. Well done. Thank you very much. Thank you. It was great. And only one wrong answer ish and that was a bit of a <laughs> so a gold medal for ireland well played Yay. um patty trisha it's been a lot of fun having you on the the half measures podcast if people want to um follow you or find you whereabouts can they do that online you can find us on facebook twitter and instagram at time team i'll spell it t-i-m-e-t-e-a-m-p because we are not the old uk program that looks up old buildings um you can also email us at time traveling team at teamproductions.com and you can find our podcast time traveling team on spotify apple google podbean and pretty much anywhere that has an rss feed feed going through to it awesome it's been great uh, getting to know you guys and um good luck with your podcast thanks guys thanks guys for being ch- chatting to you thanks for having us on hope to see thanks. you again in the future at some point And just like that, they're they're off again. Thanks a lot, um, Patty and Tricia, for spending time with uh, Paul and myself at the Half Measures podcast. Really great to hear about all the the exciting things that you guys are up to. You've definitely piqued my interest in a a little bit of Doctor Who. And, yeah, good luck out there. And it's it's been great. It's been great to have you on the show. Yeah, it was really great having them on. And it was a really good good experience. I really enjoyed it, having people... You know, to interview felt very different for us. So it's been a, an interesting, an interesting podcast. And uh, yeah, I think we might have to do this again, Dan. I think, we, yeah, I think we do. I think it's maybe one day, Paul, we can get uh, Star Screaming and Megatron on the on the pod. Nice in character, oh. though. In, in character. character, the whole time, right? Okay. In costume, in costume. I'm gonna, you, I'm gonna need the full package. You don't ask for much. So that's uh, episode 27 of the Half Measures podcast. Again, special thanks to our Patreon producers, Samara King and Trisha Brady. Um, if you'd like to become a, a Patreon producer of the show, check out our Patreon page. Notes in the show details down below. Um, where else can people get hold of us, Paul? Uh, they can get hold of us at halfmeasurespodcast.com. You can drop us a line there. And, of course, across all of the social media channels, Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, you can find us at Half Measures Pod. If you're on Pinterest, if you're on Tumblr, you'll find us there as well. We're everywhere, Dan. So uh, there's no excuses. So please do get in touch with us. And uh, once again, I'd like to 
offer my thanks to Tricia and Patty, and also our thanks to to Mission Log and the Rodden Bay Podcast Network for firstly putting me in touch with Tricia so that that could go ahead, and also for their support with our podcast. And if you'd like to sponsor an episode of Half Measures, that would be great to get in touch with us. And thanks for listening once again, and we'll see you next week. I've got some more practicing to do. John Krasinski. Oh. Adios, guys. <laughs>